Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You're listening to Underground USA. Welcome back to Underground USA. My name is Frank Salvato. Please check out everything we do at undergroundusa.com. Sign up for the new Substack-based mail-out that gets our most recent products in your inbox when they happen. It's going to become increasingly more important as we get closer to the midterms and to the 2024 general election. Here's this morning's segment on Talk Back with Chuck Wilder as broadcast on CRN Digital Talk Radio. I got to tell you something about my guest, all right? Is uh, he writes some fantastic stuff, and this one, uh, triple decker home run, all right? His name Frank Savato. He is the executive partner of Compass Point Group. He's also host of the Underground USA podcast, and his uh, analysis has been cited by the U.S. House International Relations Committee, and he's been published by the American Enterprise Institute, the Washington Times and are internationally syndicated. Uh, Frank is the author of six monographs examining the threats of facing our country, and he can be heard twice weekly on the Captain's America Third Watch, which is syndicated nationally on the Salem and Genesis Communication Affiliated Stations. Uh, His website, undergroundusa.com. And the name of this one, The Political Re- definition of meanings and how the status quo benefits wow hey frank welcome back how are you i'm doing good about yourself mr wilder pretty pretty good uh you know this this one just uh, this is a home run i gotta tell you just when i didn't think it you could get it any better <laughs> <laughs> it's just, uh, very very impressed i'm impressed with just about every single thing you do and i don't need to hear, uh, you know, all these uh, accolades to you, but uh, I just want to congratulate you on this one uh, because people need to hear this stuff. You know what I'm saying, Frank? Uh, And it has to be said so that people can understand it, people like me especially. The political redefinition of meaning and how the status quo benefits. Uh, Frank says the redefinition of words and phrases by those in political power is nothing new, especially for what has to be identified as today's fascist left. So let's get into the uh, kinder, gentler, mockier of progressivism, shall we? 
Well, you know, they've been doing it since the Wilson administration, just a little bit before. Uh, they throw words at the wall to see if, if people will accept them when it comes to uh, uh, initiatives and, and agendas. And when they land on a, a phrase or a definition that allows people to consume it without reeling, that's what they go for. A uh, prime example of this came in, in the, the first example I gave with Planned Parenthood. Uh, this is an organization that was founded by Margaret Sanger, who was a devout racist. Uh, she was a eugenics uh, supporter, and she really wanted to cull the inferior people from our society to do exactly what Hitler tried to do in World War II, which was to create a, a master race, a superior race. And they used, it was called the Abortion League for a while. Uh, it was called a number of other names that, that used descriptive terms, and they landed on Planned Parenthood, <laughs> which the people consumed. Well, what's wrong with Planning Parenthood? It sounds yeah, responsible. Yeah. Perfect, yes. You know, so that's the kind of things that the fascist left has done. And make no mistake, the definition of fascism fits not only the Wilson administration, but FDR's administration, Johnson's administration, Obama's administration, and Biden's administration. We've had fascist administrations here, fascist governments in the United States before, uh, to the point where we had FDR sending, calling Mussolini a, a fine young man, liking what he's doing over in Italy, yeah. and Mussolini was writing about FDR in the papers saying that the, the, the American president's style of fascism is, is wonderful to see and quite a success. So, you know, we don't teach contemporary history in the United States. We get through the Civil War and into Reconstruction, mm -hmm. but that's usually where it ends in, in junior high school and high school because the year runs out. So we have no idea about anything past just the beginning of the Industrial Revolution. We definitely don't learn about Wilson on. So yeah. it's, it's easy to see how they can get away with this. You know, it's, it's like uh, Alex Newman's uh, book, you know, the, uh, uh, gosh, isn't it funny? I just forgot the title of the book. That's strange. Uh, anyway, it, it's all about the fact that uh, they didn't teach anything in school, you know, not things they the things they don't want you to know about have now been eliminated from school. You know, I want to go back to uh, Margaret uh, Margaret Sanger for just a moment, okay? Uh, the main reason she started this whole butchering operation, Planned Parenthood, basically the 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 number one idea was to get rid of black people, right? It was uh, black people were it was a, a predominant demographic in that the infirm. Uh -huh. uh, she thought that people that were that were predisposed to genetic conditions were shouldn't shouldn't procreate. Uh, people who who were less than industrious, people who were prone to committing crime, people who were less than advanced in their productivity towards the well-being of the country. All of those demographics were in her gun sites. But yes, absolutely, she thought yeah. that, that the black population should be controlled. And she even went so far as to 
and I believe it's in a, in a letter to a colleague, where she said we should get black pastors uh, on yes. board with mm-hmm. us so that we can make sure that it's a it's a gentler message being received. We don't want to be perceived as trying to eliminate the black race. That's a that, that's a heck of a comment to be made uh, to come out in a letter. If that were if that were something somebody said today, mm-hmm. oh my lord, you know the, the outrage would be unbelievable. The person would be shunned, and they'd try to figure out how to put the person in jail. Yeah, it's uh, it's something else. And you know, I I used to have a black minister that came on quite frequently, and and he would tell me, and this was uh, in the South. Uh, that it upset him so much to see blacks lined up in cars going to Planned Parenthood. You know, it was almost like, you know, you're going to a drive-in movie or something like that. Uh, All of the things that have happened, and and the history is not being taught. And by the way, Crimes of the Educators was the name of that book. Uh, Franklin D. Roosevelt, New Deal. It's funny how some people think, boy, he was a good president, wasn't he? Yeah, wasn't he fantastic, you know? And, boy, he got our uh, military going right after Pearl Harbor and all this good stuff here. Uh, he's the guy, you say, that started the 16th Amendment, uh, the creation of the Federal Reserve System. What did that do for us there, uh, Frank? Well, those those two things came out of the Wilson administration, but they they progressed to be solidified. He benefited from those two things. We, re- we remember FDR as, a, as all about World War II, and we won World War II, so he got the coattail on that. But when you talk about his management of the Depression and the institution yeah. of the New Deal, Money. every single aspect of that was socialism. It was socialism. I mean, plain and simple. You were, you were taking money from other people, redistributing wealth, creating government controlled programs that took from taxpayer dollars and redistributed wealth. There's nothing in his administration that wasn't uh, administered in a fascist way when it came to the economy. The private-public partnerships were prevalent, uh, even down to the the organization he created to put out-of-work people to work on the government dime. Yeah. So, so yeah, I mean, when you go back into the details of his presidency, mm-hmm. you know, he was one of the American fascists. It's it, it, The argument can be made, and I believe one, about that. Uh, as far as the Federal Reserve is concerned, boy, you want to get into the Federal Reserve, we better have a month of Sundays when it comes to, uh, to time, Chuck, because I'm, I'm just... <laughs> finishing up for the second time a book called The Creature from Jekyll Island, and if you want to get angry right. at our financial system, that's the book to read. Did you know I once did a uh, uh, the Jekyll Island when I was working with George Putnam, and I did the voiceover for the opening of that, and it was my stupidity, all right? Uh, they just said, the guy said, oh, I love your voice, you know, and he had written a, a, a book, and they were getting ready to do a whole video on it and all this stuff. And I thought, you know, Jekyll Island was just, uh, you know, a place they were going to build some new things on until I started doing it. Uh, but it was just the voice that they wanted. They didn't want the uh, lack of intelligence. Okay, put it that way. Uh, let me tell the listener the way you put this. He says, uh, you were talking about uh, how, quote, to make Americans feel good about what was happening. 
Roosevelt did the best to convince them that they weren't really abandoning the economic system of their ancestors, but instead uh, they were saving it. And in actuality, and listen to this, listener, the New Deal was rooted in the same philosophy and ideas on which Mussolini's fascist system in Italy, Stalin and Hitler's socialist systems in the Soviet Union, and Germany were based. And what what did we do? Say, oh, this is really fantastic, because you didn't see the small print, is that one description? <laughs> well, it's, it's one description, but we also had a complicit media. When, when media is in bed with, with the government and mm. just willing to push that narrative and that's mm-hmm. it and no one wants to debate it, then that's all the information people are getting. And, and what he came down on was a, was a great term for a group of agenda items that were fascist and socialist in nature. And he called them the New Deal. Well, we're coming out of the Depression era. We're in the, you know, we're trying to emerge from it. It's the New Deal with the people. We're going to put everybody back to work. Well, if all you're doing is listening to what would be tantamount to the headline, well, that sounds like a good idea. Let's have yeah. a New Deal with the American people. Let's put people back to work. Oh, but you're going to lose a lot of. Hey, why, uh, Frank? Why didn't he use "build back bankrupt"? I'm sorry, "build back better." Why didn't he use that? <laughs> <laughs> because the World Economic Forum wasn't around them to feed yeah. that line to them. Boy, isn't it amazing? The New Deal. And then what is the originally, you know, coming before even Build Back Better, uh, what is it, the the Green New Deal? They had that. Yeah, the Green New Deal. Oh, the New Deal is still hanging around, isn't it? <laughs> no, uh, you, you, saw, you saw how AOC tried, and her ilk tried to coattail on the New Deal. They understood the, meat, the, the necessity to be able to redefine things. They wanted to coattail off New Deal because our recollection of it is something that was good for the country. Mm-hmm. You know, so they wanted to co-opt that, and the fact that... Now, in the day of, days of uh, social media and being able to have 24-7, 365 news with, with just a sliver of that being conservative, we were able to say, do you know what's in it? Do you know what's in the Green New Deal? It's disastrous for everybody, and it failed. If, the, if we would have had this capability back when the New Deal was being proposed, it would have died on the vine as well. Yeah, and what did you describe her as, AHOC? AHOC, what was that you just said? AOC, her, her and her ilk. No, you, you. Whenever you're referring to her name, AOC, I, I thought you said AOC or something like that. Oh, AOC. I just, I just say her. AOC. Yeah. Have you, you've heard what I call her, right? No. Are you right? Are you ready? It's AO Cortez. AO Cortez. Oh, <laughs> All right. Indeed, indeed. I'll work on it. We're going to take a break. Uh, come back with Frank Savato. And uh, actually, this is a very, very serious and probably one of the best uh, pieces I've read in a long time. It's entitled The Political Redefinition of Meanings and How the Status Quo Benefits by the one and only Frank Savatos. All right. Executive Partner, Compass Point and host of the Underground USA podcast. Be right back. Handcrafted exotic blend teas at the lowest shipping cost anywhere. Hi, I'm CJ, owner of the Emerald Coast Tea Company. 
We ship our premium gourmet blends with Sindel, offering you the lowest shipping prices anywhere, while also being carbon neutral. Excellent tea at the right price. Check us out at www.emeraldcoastteacompany.com. Honey, this ain't your mom's tea. Everybody's talking at me. Chuck Wilders, CRN, with Frank Savato, host of Underground USA podcast. Uh, Frank, in the uh, 16th Amendment, okay, and we talk about the Federal Reserve System, which changed our economic system forever. And right now, on their lips, they are talking about uh, a brand new currency for the United States and I guess uh, part of the other world, right? Uh, and I, I don't think it's Bitcoin, but it's uh, it's a new currency, and it's almost, if not, what would you say, worse than what they've done in the past? Well, it, it certainly provides them a little bit more uh, leeway to be able to do what they want as far as manipulating and controlling the people. And new technology, um, too, right? Yeah, just to, just to clarify, the 16th Amendment and the, federal re- the creation of the Federal Reserve, two different things. Oh, but what okay. the, what the Federal Reserve and the Treasury are scheming about right now, and by the way, the Federal Reserve is not officially part of the United States government. It's a conglomerate of banks. It is it is really a, a like a board of overlords for the banking system in the United States. Works in cahoots with the federal government. Uh-huh. What the Treasury is trying to do in in. Uh, in coordination with with the Federal Reserve, is to create a U.S. digital dollar, a central bank digital dollar, that would replace the paper dollars that we use now. Uh, the, you know, they say it's it's cost cutting and it, it helps with with trade and it will make things easier to be a global citizen and la 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 la. la. Global citizen, but, boy, there you go. Yeah. yeah. But the, the fact of the matter is it gives the banking system and the, and the government complete control over your finances. They could shut it off with a switch. And if you want an example of this, uh, look back, I believe, uh, a month ago, a little over a month ago, when the truckers up in Canada were protesting COVID. And people were raising, you know, donating Bitcoin, and and they were doing everything with cryptocurrency because they were trying to circumvent uh, financial control from the government up there through traditional avenues. And boy, they came down heavy on all of the all of the crypto wallet people that work online, and pretty much shut off all of their money. Even though it had nothing to do with the protest, they didn't like them protesting, so they punished them by <laughs> limiting their access to the money. So whatever the Treasury and the Federal Reserve come up with in the United States, our elected officials need to make sure that they don't have control of the on and off switch. Now, the Federal Reserve is not going to like that, Chuck. Because right now they get to print money whenever they want to, so yeah. that their their people don't lose money when banks go under. They would have to relinquish control of our economic system to a blockchain that can't be manipulated by by government or, or by the Federal Reserve. It would pretty much put them out of business. That's going to be a bloody battle. Man, I'll tell you, it's uh, some. I, 
you know, you get reports like this, Frank, and you're saying, wow, is the government against the citizens of the United States of America? And it's sort of like uh, they'd be happy, I guess, if, if we were just the puppets, right? Well, are they against us? They're certainly using us. Yeah, true. The, the elite and Better the people words. who are in power are certainly using the people of the United States. <clears throat> and when you dig deeper into what the Federal Reserve is and how they function and the financial instruments they use, <laughs> you, I mean, you get angry. You get angry that this was allowed to take place in American soil because it literally uses the people that have to use that system to survive, and it lays all of the responsibility on them. If they make a bad decision, you pay for it. If a bank goes makes bad loans, you pay for it. And, and it's unbelievable what these people are getting away with. Well, and you know, like you say, it's it's a catchy phrase, right? The Federal Reserve. Yep. Yes. Doesn't say, doesn't uh, say anything about a bank. No. No. It, you know, uh, it's just a reserve. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, nothing could go wrong, right? Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. <laughs> the United aside, from two, States, aside from 2008 and, yeah. and you know, and, and the way the economic system was manipulated under COVID and the debt mm-hmm. that we're in, yeah, no, they're oh, doing a bag yeah. job. United States Steel, yes. And it gets to, maybe yeah. you ought to spell it a different way, S-T-E-A-L. Uh, anyway, uh, when we come back, we're going to talk about uh, the Never Trumpers attempting to manipulate and redefine the concept of uh, populism. Populism. I'll let uh, Mr. Savato explain that one to you. All right. Frank Savato, executive partner at Compass Point and host of the Underground USA podcast. It's undergroundusa.com. Hey, this is Judson Carroll with the Southern Appalachian Herbs Podcast. One thing Frank always reminds me to mention is that my books and my podcasts are not limited to my region of the Southern Appalachian Mountains. I'm a master herbalist with a working knowledge of hundreds of herbs that are available all around you no matter where you live and keep your family in optimal health. I'm now offering a free newsletter through Substack. Please find me on Substack at Judson Carroll Master Herbalist or JudsonCarroll.com. And I look forward to communicating with you in the future. Thanks. Everybody's talking at me. CRN, Chuck Wilder with Frank Savato, executive partner, Compass Point Group, and host of the Underground USA podcast, uh, discussing the political redefinition of meanings and how the status quo benefits. And uh, so you say we shouldn't be surprised that today the power elite so desperate in their quest to hold on to powers and what they do to do it. Uh, let's get into this, uh, the never-Trumpers and uh, people that, you know, you never know on whose side is the status quo, put it that way, right? Well, whoever's, whoever's in power and both sides are to blame. You know, if you're in the club, if you're inside the beltway and you're you you've been anointed, you're part of the problem as far as I'm concerned. But it's not fifty um, fifty all the time, is it? It's it you might no, the it, others. Yeah. Yeah. The pendulum will always swing back and forth, uh to who has the majority in Congress and who's sitting in the White House. 
But when you peel back the onion, the people who hold the levers of power on both sides, whether majority or minority, they're cut of the same cloth. It's very rare that we have any statesmen anymore. You did say very peel back rare. the onion, didn't you? I did. Yeah, I like that. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> um, um, you know, so yeah. you've got we've fallen into the idea that politicians are are what our government is. Politicians are people who get elected, and then they're supposed to execute government. And right now, we have a country that's they're not executing government. The politicians are just playing politics throughout. Uh, one of the big things that they're doing today, and again with the complicit media, is the bastardization of the term populism. They want to make it a bad thing. Oh, he's a populist. We can't have a populist. Populists are bad. Populism is bad. Well, no, it's not. Populism is actually what democracy is. You know, when we go to the ballot box and we vote, Uh that's populism. So that would be a a Donald Trump, for example, right? Well, the people wanted the people, and I'm going to use a, a, a phrase that dates back to the 1860s. Okay. But this was the people throwing off the chains, saying, we don't like what you people are doing. We don't like what the Republicans are really doing. We definitely don't like what the Democrats are doing. And we absolutely hate what the fascists are doing. So we're going to elect an outsider. And exactly what happened for four years is he he had pushed back from people even in his own party, and they started to use the word populist as if it was a bad word. Populist insurgency, you, insurgency, you uh, describe. Yeah, it's a, it's a yeah. populist insurgency. Well, no, it's not an insurgency. We popular consensus is what a dem, a, a democracy is. Popular consensus is what a representative government in our republic is supposed to have fidelity to. But instead, this guy went in there putting together uh, agenda items and moving policies forward that saw our economy thriving, that saw home ownership among all demographics rising, that saw incomes rising, small business creation rising. The United States, we were an exporter of energy. We weren't importing energy. We were thriving as a nation. But he wasn't from inside the club. Mm-hmm. He wasn't an inside-the-beltway deep state creature. So they they quested to push him out like like the body would push out a foreign object. They didn't want him there. They needed to destroy him. They don't want someone who's not part of the club doing this, and that's the status quo. So they started bastardizing the definition of populism to make it a bad thing because, yes, Donald Trump was a a populist. The people supported him. They wanted the change. The system doesn't want change. They want it to stay the same because they understand that game. If the the system is radically changed, they lose power, and they can't have that. And it's funny how they add words because, like you say, uh, he was the great upsetter of the political status quo. Donald Trump, the orange man. They had to add the orange man. Can you think back in your 
excellent brain there, Frank, uh, where they put a tag like that on anybody else uh, right off. I'm, I'm trying to think. Oh, has to be a president, uh, you know. It's, it's happened it's happened since the days of Adams and Jefferson but never to never to a point where you had the entire media and and yeah. the new sphere of social media using it and demagoguing this was a Alinsky tactic we had to ridicule the man that's a very very mm-hmm. important tactic in the Alinsky rules ridicule use it right. so they yeah. tried to make him a sexist xenophobic they tried to you know orange man tried to make him <laughs> a racist None of the things that he is, but that's how they tore him down, you know, and now pop, add populist to that, because evidently being in consensus is a bad thing. And think about that for a moment. They're trying to take a word that says there's a popular consensus here. We all agree on this. Yeah, but if it's not anointed by the people in, in power, then it's a bad thing. You may all want this. But it's bad because we're not pushing it. That's not that. That's not a representative constitutional republic. You know, yeah, that's but, that's Stalin yeah. stuff. Yeah, and you quote a professor. Uh, I'm not sure of his his name. Cass Muddy, M U D D E. Moody. 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 Okay, that's you know when I used to write love letters, I never spelled Moody that way. But anyway. <laughs> Professor of International Affairs at the University of Georgia contends populism isn't a fully formed political ideology like socialism or liberalism, but it's a thin ideology made up of just a few core benefits. And uh, these two you list here, let's see, that the elite are understood to be fundamentally corrupt and out of touch with everyday life, yeah, that the politics of government should be an expression of general will, a set of desires presumed to be shared as a common sense by all ordinary people. Yeah, I've heard that a lot, but it's always uh, two sides or two and a half sides, it seems like. Well, and, and this gets into the, the current piece that I have out, uh, the, the E Pluribus Unum piece that, that says, you know, when we listen to only the people on the edges on the fringes, who are trying to divide us all the time, we seldom come up with solutions to problems. We have to find our common ground first as people who are citizens of the United States, what we have in common. Once, if, you have a, if you have stand on a polar opposite side of, a, of an issue with your neighbor, you don't just come straight out and start arguing about, you know, you're wrong because you believe in A and I believe in B. You're never going to find a solution that way. But if you come together and you realize everything that you have in common, you live in the same neighborhood, you want the same things for your kids, you want the same things for your country, you want the same things for, for, for your family, uh, for your future, now you're, you're talking from a position of commonality, and solutions come out of that because you're able to talk respectfully, openly, and consider what someone who mostly believes like you has to say. But politicians don't want you to do that because, again, if you're, if you're in consensus, they can't manipulate you to maintain power. They have to keep you divided. That's why we have identity politics, race politics, economic politics, you name it. Yeah, with, with the many different microspheres that they have in the political realm, 
they they can more easily cobble together that 51% needed to attain office and maintain power. If we're all in in agreement on something, and and we expect them to rule by consensus, now they have to do their jobs, and they can't fill their pockets with other people's money. Yeah, and in the in the new one you wrote, which uh, I wasn't able to print up, but I I do have it on my computer. Uh, <clears throat> you said, think about it. Rarely, very rarely, does a politician, ideological activist, or one-trick pony advocate ever take to the podium and talk about how much we all have in common. Yeah, it's. Uh, I'm I'm trying to think back. You know, did Trump Lower. anything you can think of that Trump would say to people that we all have in common? And and Absolutely. now we all have in common that you know the shelves are empty, and the gas prices are too high. You know what Trump, I'm saying? Trump did, and he took a book out of Reagan's platform with this. Oh, he they they were looking for to create a consensus and a common ground, and the common ground was being an American citizen. It was supposed oh, yeah. to be about America first. Have pride in who mm-hmm. you are. And what this nation has done, what we've achieved, the other countries that we in, just incessantly help out all the time, the leadership role that we have. And the, the American experiment is, is unbelievably successful when you get government out of the way. When you let the American people thrive and do what they do best, great things happen. And both of these men... And I'm not equating Trump to Reagan. I'm saying they used the same tactic. Mm-hmm. You know, they they wanted to remind you that we've got more in common than we have in difference. We're Americans. We we work. We dream. We create. We achieve. That's something that we all have in common. The politicians of today don't want you to think about that. They want you to think about your skin color your gender or perceived gender, your economic class. They want you divided so that you don't band together with your neighbor. And, and quite honestly, when, when, you pull, like, when you get to the core of the onion, Chuck, and you realize this is what they're doing, we should all be pretty damn angry about it. Well, you mentioned, you know, some pretty outstanding examples you know uh bill de blasio elected mayor of new york then you got chicago's Lori lightfoot uh you know it's it's amazing you know and she's got her own personal uh private squad now police officers that are protecting her while she still spouts you know defund the police or whatever uh i'm telling you you wonder you know how in the world these people get elected and then you realize it really has nothing to do with what's the what's the best best thing for America. You know, it's no, how do you not manipulate at all. people? Yeah, not at all. It's you, we need to understand that the rhetoric that they spout on the campaign trail should be jettisoned and thrown away. We need to look at their track records. We need to look at the way they voted. We need to look at how they talk to one another inside their inner circle when no one's listening. Because that's who they truly are. You know, on, on the right side of the aisle, it, I, I loathe Mitch McConnell. Mm-hmm. I really do. He is the quintessential deep state, go along to get along, it's my turn Republican. 
that doesn't, you know, and now it comes out that he's that he said during the, uh, the during the impeachment trial that that he said, yeah, good, go after him. Let's get that sob. Yeah. Are you and kidding you know, me? Isn't it kind of strange that McConnell and his China connection just doesn't come up like all the other people, no matter what side you're on? Yeah, you know? I mean, it, and I, his, I'm kind of thinking, why don't? How come the Democrats don't bring up the fact, you know, that his wife is engaged in, you know, shipping with the Chinese uh, uh, army? I guess it is. Uh, well, she's she's not even engaged with her. Her family owns the biggest shipping company in communist yeah. China. Yeah, it's connected to the communist Chinese government, and they but don't you never pick hear it, on you know? them. They don't pick on them because they're all feeding from the same trough. Trough. There you go. Yep. Absolutely. Wow. You know, they're you all can't... feeding from the same trough. They're all they're all out for themselves, and and they portray themselves as defenders of the people and public servants. They wouldn't know a public servant if their Rolls Royce limousine ran over them in an intersection. Well, I see now in in this latest article about how we can't trust the political class to have conversations that you and I are talking about because they benefit from the chaos. Yeah, these decisions, these conversations, dialogues have to happen amongst the people, and they must start from a vantage point of commonality, a position where we all have skin in the game and where our general goals are the same, Democrat, Republican, probably even independent. Libertarian, you, you name it. If you're an American citizen, we have to have these conversations. They have, they have jammed down our throats the idea that talking about politics with your neighbor is a bad thing. Boy, that's good for them, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Because we don't get to have conversations like you, are, you and I are having and peeling back that onion to see just how self-serving and corrupt the political class is. There isn't a public servant, except for maybe a handful in Congress, that's actually doing the will of their constituents. They do the will of their party very well, but then that's Mitch McConnell rolling the the BS down the line about where the agenda's going to go because he's the leader of the Republican Party in Washington today. Mm -hmm. You know, and Frank, the thing that really upsets me, and we're coming up on our final break here, but uh, the thing that has always gotten to me, and I know the listeners uh, got so tired of me saying it constantly, I've kind of backed up, but it's the double standard. But Mm -hmm. then now it's almost like it's just the standard, you know. But you look at, especially on the Democrat side, you know, Biden and Hillary and and so many others, you know, that get away with everything. Uh, But now it's sort of like both sides are trying to get right on course with each other, I guess. We'll, yeah, we'll, we'll run across the finish line together, all right? Speaking of the finish line, we're going to come back and we'll be wrapping things up with Frank Savato in just a little bit, executive partner, Compass Point, host of the Underground USA podcast. And remember, it's undergroundusa.com. He calls democracy messy, props up the Chinese Communist Party, praises Xi and his regime, known for violent oppression, invests in Chinese military companies. A defector? No. It's BlackRock CEO Larry Fink. 
the CEO of a major American company who's gone all in on China. Can he be more anti-American? Larry Fink, BlackRock. Taking your money, betting on China. Message paid for by Consumers Research, an independent educational 501c3 nonprofit organization. Log on to www.consumerresearch.org to learn more. Everybody's talking at me. CRN, Chuck Wilder, with the one and only Frank Savato. And we've been discussing the political redefinition of meanings and how the status quo benefits and also his latest. And uh, what's the title of that one again, uh, Frank? Uh, people just search E Pluribus Unum. All right. They'll find it. It's featured over at undergroundusa.com. Uh, you know, it seems like we're just up against so much. And. You know, at your age and my age, and it's like uh, it seems like we never have gone through this much uh, BS in politics. Not not me, uh, and maybe it's just that uh, you know, it's the politics that that uh, I'm really talking about so much now that maybe I'm just getting more interested in it, and I didn't realize what FDR was doing. <laughs> yeah, well, I- really. We, there is a certain amount uh, of blame to be placed at the fact that we don't teach it, that the yeah, media definitely. doesn't talk about it, and that they have a preferred tint that they want to have on that window of history. You know, so it's not, you know, politics today, yes, it's a little bit more intense than it was in the day of Jefferson and Adams. Uh, you, they didn't have the rules for radicals, and they had, hadn't gone through the the Soviet manipulation of the 60s when it came to the anti-war movement and and uh, and the activist movement here in the United States. But uh, politics is still politics because the vote is the vote. Yeah, that's yeah. that's one reason why the ballot box integrity going into every election moving forward really has to be job one. Otherwise, we're just a we're a, we're a banana republic. Where where Hugo Chavez can just say add some more votes to that box and look I won. Very mm-hmm. important that we get this get the election thing straightened out and that the states have the sovereignty over their elections, not the federal government. You know, but yeah, yeah, politics has always been rough and tumble in the United States. I'm sure if we could take a time machine back and talk to Adams and Jefferson, they would say it was appalling then. I don't know what they'd say yeah, about it really. today. His mule was yeah. faster than my mule and got that vote in there earlier. Otherwise, uh, if our mule hadn't, yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, well, our, well they, had, they, had, yeah. they, they had drive-up mule boxes back then, of course. Yeah, really. <laughs> but, you know, uh, in, in Frank's uh, article about the political redefinition of meanings and how the status quo benefits, he says the answer is easy to come by. They don't want anything to change unless they change. Oh, that change solidifies the power and or fills their bank accounts, regardless of all the lofty rhetoric about being progressive and possessing a desire to change the system. And then you have a quote here from the Guardian's Peter Baker. Political change, in other words, is a result of demands against existing order, which must be fused together in a moment to change it, a moment that may look a lot like populism. But those who benefit from the status quo don't want it to change. Absolutely. I'll tell you. Uh, man. Yeah, you look at, you know, look at Nancy Pelosi. 
Does she want anything to change, or does she want to cling to power until she's in formaldehyde? The only thing she wants to change is another brand new brand of ice cream, I guess. That would make her day, yeah. (laughs) Hey, uh, Frank, thank you very much. I really appreciate the time and uh, a fantastic article as usual. And remember the website, listener, undergroundusa.com. Frank Savato, S-A-L-V-A-T-O. Thank you, sir. Thank you. We'll talk to you next time, sir. All right. Thank you, Swade. Thank you for listening. And God bless the United States of America. Please like the episode on the platform you're listening to us on, leave a comment if it lets you, and share us with your friends and family. Our influence grows when you share our podcast. And don't forget to sign up for our Substack, which comes directly to you, subverting the interference of the Internet gatekeepers and social media censors. This is going to be increasingly important moving forward given the world's trajectory. You're listening to Underground USA. My name is Frank Salvato. We'll be right back after this.